welcome back to episode 13 of the Gladiators Den MMA podcast. Today we're going to quickly run through UFC 293 in Sydney, the start of the Deshaun Strickland era, and a quick overlook over the big happenings over the past couple of weeks. So without further ado, let's get to it. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Gladiators Den MMA podcast. Today we're going to discuss everything that went down at UFC 293 in Sydney and the last couple of fight nights that we've missed over the last few weeks as well. Now, obviously there is pretty much only one place to start, right? The Deshaun Strickland era has officially begun. So, being touted as one of potentially... The biggest upset in UFC championship history. I mean, did anybody see that coming? If anybody genuinely predicted Sean Strickland was going to win and they have the receipts, I, I want to see them because they, there's not many of you out there. I, like like everyone else, I overlooked Sean Strickland. I'm pretty sure the UFC overlooked Sean Strickland. There's an argument that Adesanya overlooked Sean Strickland too. Because if you think about the way this matchup actually went down and how it occurred, well, the fight wasn't announced until, you know, about a month prior to the actual fight. The event sold out without a main event on the card. And, you know, they tried to do Alex Pereira versus Jiri Prohaska, but that fight wasn't ready. Then they tried to do... DDP versus Adesanya, that fell through, and then the UFC was hesitant at first to even do the Sean Strickland match because of what a mismatch it was going to be, and you know maybe he wasn't quite as deserving as you know other fighters, DDP for example. So yeah, I mean it's hard it's hard to try and comprehend what actually went down without taking anything away from Sean Strickland because before I get into anything else I want to give props to Sean Strickland I think we should all highlight you know how well Sean Strickland actually did in that fight so bear in mind that this fight you know beginning of September Sean Strickland is this was his fifth fight in just over a year I think he he uh, lost to Alex Pereira in July of last year and then he lost a split decision to Jared Cannonier on the back of that. Then he faced um, Nasruddin Imayov. I probably said that wrong. But he faced him on like two weeks notice in a light heavyweight bout and then won a decision. Then he uh, dispatched Magomedov, obviously, in the second round in that impressive fight, which led to this title fight. But... So he's been active. He was pretty much the only middleweight that was still available to fight. So they gave him the fight. And not only did he just beat Adesanya, he dispatched Adesanya and beat him for five rounds. Four rounds if you're a, if you're a Nazi and you want to correct me on that. But yeah, so he shocked the world. He's the new champ. 
the Deshaun Strickland era has officially begun. Now, in the first round, I think it's pretty common that most fighters have said, people that have sparred with Strickland have said, he's a bit of a puzzle to kind of work out in that first round. So that combined with the way Adesanya fights and he kind of he kind of gets his reads in the first round. So first round was kind of exactly how I expected it to go up until that last 30 seconds where Strickland dropped him, landed like, was it 27 headshots in the last 30 seconds or something? 27 significant strikes. And almost finished him, honestly. I know the round finished with uh, Izzy back on his feet, but he was definitely in a situation where he could have been finished, and I think it took um, Adesanya by surprise as well. But the way that he fought was not really any differently to how anyone probably thought he was going to fight. Strickland walked him down for 25 minutes. He used his jab a 1-2 pretty much for the whole fight, and didn't wrestle. Even though he said prior to the fight and after the fight, the plan was to wrestle. He essentially beat him. He didn't even throw that many kicks. He blocked the leg kicks of Izzy. He kind of parried his hands away with the Philly Box defense that he kind of uses, the iCarly defense. But Izzy just couldn't find him. I mean... I don't want to, again, like I said, I don't want to take things away from Strickland and say Izzy was having an off night, even though he did look off. Was it because he had an off night or was it because Strickland fought in a way that made it so difficult for him he couldn't find his groove? And I think it's the latter, honestly. Because the way Strickland had him in that position, he had him walking back for the full 25 minutes. He was so square forward that is he couldn't really get his kicks going against him. And the times where he did throw the kicks when the distance, you know, the distance management was set up for that, he he, he checked them and he, he, he avoided them. So Izzy was never really given the chance to find his groove. And Strickland just did such a good job defensively and his awkwardness just worked in his favor. Now, Eugene Barrymore said after the fight that a couple of minor adjustments and he thinks Izzy wins. I can't. I don't argue with that. I think that's possibly true, but I don't think, even though Dana White said he thinks Izzy should have the next match, I don't agree with that, and I'll get to that next. Um, but yeah, so Strickland pretty much fought perfectly. He he obviously rocked him in the first right, and I was kind of, you know. Wondering, did he ever recover from that? But he, but Adesanya won the second round pretty convincingly as well, in my opinion. I mean, he won the, the round on all three judges' scorecards, and I think it was pretty easy to see that he won the round. And I was thinking, oh, he's recovered well, and now he's got his reads, is he's going to start opening up. But Strickland might have just, you know, gassed himself out a little bit in that last 30 seconds. He, he was looking for the finish. He could have just been a little bit slower in the second because in the third, fourth, and fifth round, Strickland, you know, didn't slow down and continued the onslaught that he did in the first round. So I'm almost certain that... I don't know. I'm not obviously not almost certain. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, I was just as shocked as everyone else. Um, I think it's more impressive that he won in the way that he did rather than if he finished him in the first. Now, obviously, I would have still been just as surprised, but if you get caught in the first round or you get caught in a fight, for example, Izzy versus Pereira in the first fight, if you get caught and you're, you know, you've been winning the fight, it happens in this sport. They're wearing four ounce gloves. Anything can happen. You can get caught. If he got caught like in the first round and got finished, you'd be kind of like, ah, you know, good job Strickland. Amazing. Big underdog, etc., etc. It happens sometimes. But that's, that's way more impressive that he was able to demolish him over 25 minutes because it's not like it was a fluke victory. You know what I mean? He didn't just catch him. He dominated him. And the last 30 seconds of the fight were extremely telling to that because Strickland was screaming at Adesanya to come on, to fight him. And Adesanya just looked beat. His face was kind of beaten up. Strickland didn't have a mark on him. And, you know, he's kind of breathing a little bit heavy. He he didn't engage even though he knew that he had 30 seconds to retain the title. He just looked absolutely depleted and defeated. Now, I don't think his schedule is an issue because like I said, Strickland fought five times and all Strickland does is spa as well. So the wear and tear that he probably has is, you know, the wor- one of the worst there probably is on the whole UFC roster. But yeah, the Deshaun Strickland era, man. I mean, I was saying to some of my friends that obviously Adesanya is the golden boy, right? He's the marketable guy. He's the guy that everybody knows. He's kind of the face of the company. Strickland is kind of like the anti-hero. But I think the he won the crowd over with the moments he had on camera in the press conferences on the UFC embedded and stuff like that. And the YouTube um, views and stuff like that on Strickland the views are insane. So maybe they can use this kind of, you know, misfit persona, this anti-hero to their advantage. But to the casual fans and to the people that don't really watch the sport, they, they're not going to see it like that. So I'd be, I'm really curious to see how this plays out because there's no doubt in my mind that Strickland will be true to himself and he won't change the way he is. Um, yeah, but that's, that's my my thoughts on the the Strickland victory and I fully welcome the Deshaun Strickland era I'm excited to see what happens and it's fully shook up the division which also is it kind of needed that revamp I think um but yeah moving on I I find it hard to to come to terms with Izzy is deserving of a second title shot a rematch again just because now before I go into it I do want to say I'm a huge Izzy fan I think he's one of the greatest middleweights of all time good good argument for the greatest of all time he lapped the division he's done his work he's one of the been the most active champion over the last few years you know he's a huge star with the fans etc but when you look at it on paper he's one and two in his last three he lost the title in the first defense. Now, I, I just don't see how that's 
more deserving of a title shot than, say, uh, DDP. You know what I mean? Because as much as, you know, he's done for the sport, for the division, there comes a point where you have to draw, you know, you have to put a pin in it, you have to draw a line. Because if he wins the title back, say, in a rematch, and then loses it again in the first defence, does he just get another rematch? Where, where do you stop? And and how do you come to that conclusion? I think the rematch with Pereira was warranted. One, because if you're a long-reigning champion and, you know, you lose the title, you might have had an off night, things happen, you might have been injured, etc., etc. You give them the rematch out of respect for what they've done. Or, like again, in the Pereira match, you're winning the fight, you get caught at the end, you lose. Like the Leon Edwards-Usman fight, for example. That makes sense. But once you've already cashed that in, I don't think you get another go. I think that DDP is definitely more deserving. Um, the winner of Kamzat Costa has a shout. Maybe not for a title shot immediately, but definitely they they put themselves up there. Costa puts himself back in contention if he beats Kamzat because of obviously the hype Kamzat's got behind him. If Kamzat can beat Costa, he's beat a cont- big, uh, you know, a contender at middleweight. I say the most simple thing is give Kamzat and Costa winner Adesanya, give DDP Strickland, then give the loser of Costa Kamzat uh, Jared Kananina. And I think that fixes all the problems. Now, you still obviously have Vittori, you still have Whitaker, but I think that can work itself out. But yeah, that's my that's my thoughts on it. Uh, I certainly don't think Adesanya should be given a rematch. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he is, just because he is the golden boy. Dana wants him to be champion. Nobody expected him to lose. Um, they're probably confident that he can win the fight if they have a rematch. But what happens if he doesn't? If he loses the rematch, let's say in a similar fashion, he's been dominated over 50 minutes by Sean Strickland. He's one and three in his last four. There's no way you can give him a title shot anytime soon. Do you just lose one of the best middleweights of all time, you know, for the, for the next year or two? They're just, you know, kind of stuck in the Max Holloway and they're just doing the fun fights. I think they really need to consider what happens, you know, the what ifs, because it's not, a, we saw, we saw on Saturday, it's not a guarantee that Izzy's going to win. But, yeah, I'm very interested to see how it plays out, for sure. Um, let's see what else happened. Uh, the uh, Cape uh, performance against uh, Dos Santos was pretty impressive. Now, I was familiar with uh, Kepe before the fight. Um, Obviously, he lost against uh, Pantoja, I think, a couple of years back. I was super excited to see how he was going to, you know, fare against the top five. Instead, we were just given and treated to this incredibly entertaining fight with Dos Santos, who gave himself an incredible debut where shown he could hang with the top 15 for sure. I think he 
it's one of those fights that you know they happen occasionally where both both guys stock goes up i think that the santos gets himself a top 15 fight next if not he definitely gets himself you know somebody close uh Kepe has put himself uh, i mean i'm probably saying his name wrong here i apologize uh i'll google how to fucking say it now um emmanuel Kepe, right let's have a look Starboy, right? I'm not looking on the right one. Shouldn't be doing this uh, during the podcast, but for some reason it sounds like I'm properly butchering his name. So I want to have a look. Um, doesn't even tell me how I'm supposed to pronounce it on Wikipedia. Never mind. I'm going to keep calling him Kepe or Kape, whatever it is. You know who I'm talking about. But yeah. He uh, was super impressive. I was so impressed with his speed and power, especially for a flyweight, which why is which is why I think the Kai Kara France fight would be so much fun. And obviously, he got himself uh, in the spotlight with the altercation, I guess you can call it, with Izzy, where he didn't back down. He kind of threw, he threw the bottle at uh, Kai Kara France. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I'm super interested to see that. The flyweight division at the minute is just pretty pretty cool right i mean you have pantoja who's gonna probably fight uh royval next right then you have moreno still lying around in the at the top of the division you have figueredo who's potentially going to be going up but there's a bunch of fun fights to make i think the bantamweights and the flyweights over the last two two or three years have really made a name for themselves as some of the more entertaining fighters entertaining divisions in the whole sport especially in the ufc but you still have dana white and mcmaynard booking these unknown heavyweights on the main card because they get fucking rock hunts for heavyweights speaking of which we saw the big boys uh two of Asa unfortunately lost to volkov was it an impressive ezekiel choke um where does he go next? Where does Tuivasa go next? Because he was like ranked four at one point, right? I think, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he was definitely ranked quite high. I think everybody kind of knew he was never going to quite reach those heights. Um, you know, with his skill, he's kind of a raw fighter, rough around the edges, but he's still pretty new. I mean, isn't he like a blue belt or purple belt in jiu-jitsu or something? He's... Uh, He's surely, he's he's certainly, sorry, a very entertaining fighter. But I just don't know. I just don't know where he goes from here, you know what I mean? Maybe a Derek Lewis rematch. I know Derek Lewis just signed a pretty hefty deal with the UFC. He's coming off a win. Two of us's three straight losses. So I think you've got to give him got to give him a bit of an easier fight because he's certainly not somebody that you want to lose um, or cut because he's such a big star with the fans. He's obviously a phenomenal fighter. Um, He's just not quite top level, you know what I mean? But he's definitely pay-per-view worthy. He definitely draws in uh, the fans. Certainly an entertaining fighter. Kind of a tough one, honestly. Um, Volkov, though, I mean... He's ranked six now, I think. So maybe Spivak. 
if those guys already fired, already fought, I don't know. It'll be an interesting fight. I think Volkov's a, a tough fight for anyone in the division, just purely based on his athleticism and size. If he gets going, he he's very hard to uh, to stand with just because of his his range, and obviously he's you know when you're that big, you're obviously gonna hit like a truck. Uh, speaking of which, uh, heavyweights, we had uh, Garne defeat Spivak in pretty impressive fashion. He showed us he does have takedown defense, or he's, or he's at least been working on it. Now, coming off two losses, you know, two world title defeats back-to-back for Garne as well, showed that you know, he has the right mentality to be a champion, to be successful in the UFC. Because it can be easy, you know, coming so close twice. Especially when you think of the uh, Nganu fight. He was two rounds up with three to go. He was five minutes away from, from winning the title. And then he goes in against Jones and gets submitted as quickly as he does. I think he fought on me. Oh, sorry, he didn't. he's not going to have two losses, is he? He beat uh, Vasa. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh... Yeah, same thing. But yeah, he uh, he looked super impressive. He potentially booked himself a fight with uh, Aspinall next. The only thing for me is when Stipe and Jones fight, are they both not retiring after? Let's be honest. I mean, regardless of the result, unless Jones gets sparked... I don't see any way where they both don't retire. I don't know if you saw that. I'm just I'm messing with the clip while I'm talking and it just fired at the camera. Oh yeah, for those who are listening on uh you know Spotify, Apple Music, Samsung, all that good stuff, the video is on YouTube as well. And I'm gonna try and chop out and you know clip some of the more interesting topics to make shorter videos. If you can't make it through the video for whatever reason or, you know, the end of the podcast. The only issue is, is I get such so sidetracked that I can't really make them into little topics. This is an example. But, yeah. So, Garnet Aspinall is an interesting one. I think Aspinall's wrestling is a big issue for Garnet. And I don't think Garnet has as much as an advantage on the feet as we think. Also, we need to remember Ghani was, what, 2-0 when he joined the UFC? I know he was a... Um, or was it 6-0? 6-0, maybe. Either way, it wasn't a lot. He's still pretty new to his MMA career. He was just a very successful kickboxer. But I think him and Aspinall are certainly a good matchup. I think it's the one to make. I think it's definitely the one that's going to... It's going to be one of those who's the next champion based on the last couple of fights they've had. Uh, I think Jones and Stipe both retire no matter what happens. The only way I think Jones doesn't retire is if he gets sparked out. I think he'll want to kind of go out on a high note. Um, what else happened? I mean, Taffer, good performance. Pedro, good performance. Uh I only I know I read that Junior and Justin Taffer were brothers and I still got confused thinking it was 
just in time for had fought twice in like three weeks. I was like, wow, quick turnaround. But looks a little bit different today. But yeah, turns out it was the, his brother. Uh, Pedro looked good. I mean, in his last fight, he looked terrible. Um, he looked like he gassed out. Um, I was kind of worried that was going to happen again. But obviously, it didn't last that long. Another guy that's super talented. He's been pretty unlucky with injuries. I'd like to see what happens next with him. Uh, Ulberg looked great. Um, impressive. Impressed to get the uh, submission victory as well. I think it was a good call out for Reyes. If Reyes is still ranked. I can't remember if he's not. Just because it's a winnable fight. Reyes is on a you know, four fight skid, five fight skid, whatever it is. He's somebody that's been shown to be quite chinny. Someone like Ulberg could definitely put his lights out. Get himself a... Uh, viral knockout of some sort um but also it's someone that came very close to some also believe he beat john jones so a win against reyes would certainly you know do his stock well and it's a good fight for reyes to take uh kind of step into that gatekeeper role for a little bit and you know show people that he's not finished yet by stopping someone like olberg who's got a lot of potential uh jenkins was looking good until the horrific dislocation he said he didn't break his arm or um but there might be some ligament damage or something i saw on twitter he said he needs to get that checked out um what else uh korean zombie retired i mean pull one out for the korean zombie that was pretty sad right the the whole production of that was was amazing um the way they just, you know, let him walk out. Nobody was talking. The camera just followed him. Um, went out on his shield as well, probably like he wanted to. Kind of pissed that somebody stole his glove. He's like the sweetest guy. You know, he's just so nice in all his interviews and stuff. Um, he said somebody st stole his glove. And if you watch the clip that's on Twitter, somebody takes it. And then he throws his other glove kind of in anger because he's like, I've only got one. So get a petition out to get Korean Zombies retirement gloves back. But yeah, what next then for uh, Max Holloway? It's a million dollar question, right? Because Dana White pretty much admitted that he's not getting the title shot again if Falk's champion. So if let's say Volk fights... I mean, who's Volk fighting next? Is he fighting at lightweight? Is he fighting at featherweight? I think we'll get clarification on his next fight because I know he's just had surgery after Charles fights Islam. If Islam beats Charles, maybe Islam calls out Volk and then we have some kind of uh, some kind of you know plan in place. Or does he fight Taporia next? Because if Taporia beats Volk, let's be honest, Volk gets a rematch for the reasons, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, he's done so much. He's the you know in the featherweight division he's beat everybody you give him the nod out of respect which then sits means holloway's not getting a title shot even if volk loses because it's going to be a rematch so there's no way that he's ever fighting for the title anytime soon and if his dreams and aspirations are to be champion again like he says he he needs to move up in weight i guess but the 155ers are too big for him, I think. I know he fought Poirier at 155. Great fight. But, he, yeah. 
he's like, when you look at people and you think, I'm thinking of Kevin Lee in my mind, right? They're kind of in between weight classes. They don't really fit in either. He is the opposite. He is perfect for featherweight. His build, his, you know, size, his, everything is perfect for featherweight. So for him to move up to 155, even though it would give us a bunch of fun fights and open a, you know, Pandora's box of options for him, I just don't see, I just don't see how he does it or him doing it. I think he's just going to keep putting on, you know, these stellar performances at featherweight until it's just eventually undeniable. Because there's only so many times you can, you know, keep knock, keep biting everyone away before they have to give you a rematch. Because, like I just said, realistically, if Volk loses the title, that's his only way, you know, to have a title shot, really. But then he's going to give, you know, the rematch. So, I don't know. I genuinely don't know what happens next for him or what should happen next. Um, I know I'm flying through everything here. Even though I've not put a podcast out for a few weeks, but my aim was to get through this quick. Um, Smith's ban fight, that happened a couple of weeks ago. That kind of pissed me off. Um, I think Span won that fight, and it was kind of a weird one. If you watched it, let me know who you thought won, because I was still, I'm, I'm still kind of confused, and I need to rewatch it back. Um... MVP, Michael Venom Page, has said if he joined the UFC, he would like to fight a top 10 or a top 15 guy. Now, I don't know how old he is, but he's definitely not in his prime anymore, right? He's lost a couple of times recently in Bellator. I know he was an ex-champ for a while. He has all these viral knockouts. I think him and Wonderboy are him and uh, Ian Gary would kind of be a good, fun matchup. Imagine he just comes in at welterweight and just, you know, smokes somebody and then immediately puts himself in title claim. Because that definitely could happen with a guy like that. Yeah, I'm going to wrap it up anyway. Uh, Thanks for listening. Um, Hopefully we'll be back with another episode next week. I will... I'll talk about anything that I missed because I know there's a bunch of stuff that I've missed this week. Next week, uh, we obviously have the Alexa Grasso Shevchenko fight this weekend. Um, Shevchenko looking to win a title back. I'm super, super excited for the Kevin Holland and Jack Della Maladina fight. I think Kevin Holland gets it done, but I am a Kevin Holland dick rider. He's one of my favorite fighters. Um, super excited to see that. It should be an absolute banger. I'm looking forward to that more than the Grasso Shevchenko fight. Uh, I hope Shevchenko retains the fight, uh, the title. I don't know if she does, but yeah. Thank you for listening. Hopefully I'll see you all next week for another episode.